Welcome to the Sus Talk Podcast. I'm Sumu Rocky. The NFL season is coming real soon. And just like we did last year, I did divisional previews with numerous guests. And now this year, we're going back at it again. This time, we're going to start off with the NFC South. And joining me to help break it all down, all four of these teams, I'm joined by the host of the Straight Up Saints podcast. He also writes for The Spun as well. Joining me is my great friend, Chris Brosvoglu. Chris, thank you so much for returning to the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's a blast, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the NFC South. We did this last year. It was really fun, so uh, I'm excited for the encore. Yeah, so here's how it's going to work this this time around. So the way that this is going to work, we're going to discuss and break down their over-under win totals and talk about how good their coach is, what's a big question for each of these teams, and I make a bold prediction for all four of these teams as well. So let's start off. Let's go to the defending champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now that is a statement we, that we're not used to yet because given that they haven't won since like done anything since 2002 and then somehow they're world champions again. I don't get it. And somehow they, they technically, they're the first team to win a Super Bowl in their home, even though, well, not a lot of people, their fans were allowed to be in there. But nevertheless... Nevertheless, their over-under win total coming into this season is 12 wins, which I say is like basically 11 wins if this was like a 16-game season, right? Yeah. All right. And a couple of notable key additions that they've made is Giovanni Bernard and the return of O.J. Howard to basically crowd up the tight end room, with which already has Cameron Braden and Rob Gronkowski. Not a lot of key or significant subtractions. That's the thing about this team that's really – concerning is that if you're anyone anybody else in the NFC South is that they didn't lose anybody and any, any major pieces they didn't lose anybody they could have lost like any other defensive pieces nope they locked them all up all of them they're all there for another year and I'm going to go over their coach rating Bruce Arians I'd say 10 out of 10 right now Bruce Arians coming in to, he won the Super Bowl but also he managed not just the whole Brady coming into his new team and all the media surrounding him, but he weathered the storm and he managed to get a Super Bowl coming out as a wild card. So I got to give him full props, 10 out of 10. So let's go into the big question that I want to ask you is what is the Achilles heel for this team? Because I, when you look across this roster, they're pretty good and balanced at all fronts, offense, offensive line, defense, all three levels of defense and even special teams. So what Chris, what is the Achilles heel? What could be their weakness this season that could lead to them losing losing, or not winning the division outright? Yeah, I think there, there's two spots, and I don't even think they're huge issues. I just think, you know, like we said, when you have a team this well-built, you kind of have to nitpick here and there. So the two spots that I'm going to kind of look at, and I want to see if they did get better, one of them was that cornerback spot but the secondary cornerback spot I think Carlton Davis has been so good at least so far in Tampa Bay so I'm not really worried about Carlton Davis but who's across from him they had a lot of issues towards the second half of the regular season I remember even teams like the Giants were burning their secondary it's just Daniel Jones couldn't hit the open man so there's a concern there I think that it worked out where the Buccaneers just forced so many turnovers in the playoffs that their secondary wasn't really as exposed as it could be at times. So I'm a little worried there. And then the interior of the offensive line, it's still really good. Obviously you have your Jensen's and, and you have your Marpets, but I am worried though about what happens if one of them goes down because we actually saw last year when Tampa did have their interior line a little bit banked up, 
Brady really didn't have much time to throw. So those are kind of the two spots. But even then, I'm really not that worried about that because think about it. I mentioned the corners. They really do have a set cornerback one in Carlton Davis. And then I look at the interior line. They had two standout interior offensive linemen. So it's really when you're nitpicking and going over the group, they're not as deep at those positions. Uh, So that's why I would say those are kind of the Achilles heel for them. You know, I never really thought about it because I guess I'm blinded by the fact of how good their secondary was against Aaron Rodgers in the championship game. And I wasn't sure if that's them overperforming or if that was Aaron Rodgers putting up a stinker during, during the championship game. So, and their offensive line, keep in mind, this is a team that drafted Tristan Wurst to be their right tackle last year. And he just came right in and he basically fit right in and helped establish that line along with Donovan Smith, who, would you say is a top 10 left tackle in the league? I I would say, yeah, borderline top 10. But you know what's crazy to me? It's it's the guy across from him who I think is going to take that next step. I think Tristan Wirfs is going to – like, he was already so good as a rookie. I think Tristan Wirfs, we're going to finish the season. We're going to be like, man, how, how the heck did he slip to Tampa in that draft? Because I think he's already emerging as a top 10 um, guy at his position. But Donovan Smith, absolutely. He's been such a reliable veteran. I think he's a top 10 towards the bottom, like you mentioned, but top 10 offensive tackle or left tackle, I should say. I think we're just completely blinded by the fact that you look at their offense, you look at the skill position players, you look at Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones Jr., and then you look at the wide receiver room, which has so much talent. It's just, it's amazing. Look at all the talent that they have, even like their fourth or fifth receivers. Like Scotty Miller is not a joke. And Tyler Johnson, too, shows some flashes as well. But the main stars, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, they're all back. And then you have Leonard Fournette and like Ronald Jones and the tight end, as I mentioned before, is deep. Like, I think we're just like completely blinded. And by the fact that like there's so much depth that some of the little weaknesses that we just mentioned are completely just masked over because if the offense is clicking, if everything is going, I think just they're going to be fine. Even if they give up like 30 points, it doesn't matter. But even then this defense is not going to give up 30 points. It just won't. I just, this, this defense, especially the front seven, is going to be a nightmare to deal with. I think that this defense will repeat as at least a top three de- run defense at the very least. As far as passing pass defense goes, maybe they'll let lay off a little bit. But ultimately, when your front seven is clicking, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, no, absolutely. And to your point, the run defense has actually been really good even before Brady got there. I remember everyone kind of talked about, hey, you're pairing – Brady in this offense with a defense that was so good against the run. And, and Vita Vea was injured for most of last season. So now he's healthy. I think a guy who is going to really earn some props if his playing time goes up, it's going to be hard for him to crack the rotation, but he's so talented, is their rookie Joe Tryon, who has been really good in training camp, really good in the preseason so far. I think that just adds another pass rusher to a Todd Bowles defense that's got that attacking style of play. And how about the linebackers? And it kind of goes to what you're talking about with them retaining their free agents. Levante David kind of takes a pay cut to stay there and you have him paired with Devin White. I don't know if it gets much better than those two currently in in the NFL at linebacker. I, I think this is easily a top 10 defense, probably a top five defense. And if the opportunistic trait that they had from the playoffs where they were forcing turnovers left and right carries into the regular season, I mean, even if the offense struggles some days, they'll, they'll be perfectly fine. Like this really is just one of the most well-rounded rosters uh, I've seen in a long time. Yeah, Vita Vea, that, like during the Super Bowl was a menace. And that guy, if he's like in the middle, and I think we, we 
we kind of underrate the importance of having just that nose tackle, that guy that clogs the lanes. Like that guy is so important. And Vita Vea is like this guy that could take out two dudes. Like it's, it's just insane. And I get it that, you know, the chiefs offensive line in the super bowl wasn't that good. They were banged up, but like, it's still, you have a guy that could perform at that level at that biggest stage. And then I definitely believe that he could carry it over. Like, cause as you said, he was injured. Now he's coming into the season healthy. He has all his momentum and the rest of the team is there to support him too. Like if Vita Bay is not doing well, you also have, you also have to deal with the Dominican Sue as well. Who's also back. And by the way, shout outs to him because this is like his, what his fourth attempt at jumping to a team at, to win a Super Bowl, And he finally managed to hit it. He did it. <laughs> he did it. He went from uh, stomping on someone's nuts to winning a Super Bowl. He finally did it. Congratulations to Dominican Sue. You finally got the ring that you deserved. <laughs> Yeah. And, and even him, like, just think about it. Like that, that defensive line is just loaded. Uh, I know this kills giants fans, but JPP has been so good the last couple of seasons. He's kind of had like a career resurgence there. Uh, and I'll throw one more name in there. And I know he's already turning into a household name. Antoine Winfield jr. Can play. Uh, he is so good. He had a big moment in every single playoff game. It felt like, I mean, he had a big game moment against Washington. He had that key fumble recovery uh, against the saints with Jared cook fumbling. He had obviously that moment where he taunted Tyree kill in the super bowl. He just seems like a guy on the rise. If you're going to pick a young DB, that's going to take that next step. I think he's a safety you look at and you're thinking big numbers uh, for him, but th- this is such a good roster. I can't hate out at all. Uh, and, and I'll throw this in there. You, you talked about, you know, how, how they have so many weapons to an offense. I'm very interested to see how the Gio Bernard situation plays out. I think if they play their cards right, they might have a sneaky James White type player for Tom Brady's offense. And we all know how well he can play with those type of running backs. So I think that's another guy that I'm going to be looking at and wondering, how does he figure out into this whole playoff picture for, for the Buccaneers? You make me very much very much now uninterested in Ronald Jones in the fantasy football now officially just because of that. Cause like now you just reminded me of like what Brady can do with James white. And I'm like that running back. Nope. Don't draft any bucks running backs. Anyway, let's go into bold prediction because I think that this is important to mention Tom Brady this year. He will invent a way to safely inject avocado oil into his bloodstream. He's going to figure it out. No, I'm, that's not the actual one. I'm sorry. And that clearly didn't land. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I apologize. I, that was my attempt at a joke. Let's go on. The actual bold prediction is Antonio Brown will lead the wide receivers for the Bucks. He will be the t- their top number one receiver, and he will rebound and be the Antonio Brown that he was in, in Pittsburgh. Now, here's the thing about this is that they have different kinds of receivers on this team. Mike Evans is the big Big dude that can just get get up and grab and any catch, any ball in the red zone. Chris Godwin's your slot receiver. And then Antonio Brown's like kind of like the speed guy, but he's more than just that. He's, we've seen that he can do everything, and he's proven it time and time again. Now, grant, granted, I don't like Antonio Brown as a person, but I just – I have to go in and admit that, like, this whole – like, he has a full, year, like, camp of working with Brady now – and they're probably in much better sync with each other. So that's why I think Antonio Brown is going to be the lead wide receiver for the Bucs. What do you think? I, I wouldn't go that far. I do think he's going to take the next step. I, I know maybe I'm reading too much into the contract thing, but I think Chris Godwin's going to explode this year. I, I think Godwin got 
killed by injuries last year. I just think it was terrible timing. Um, he had an injury early in the year, and then he had the finger injury towards the middle of the year, and it just felt like he never got healthy. And yet, I think about who's the most versatile slash youngest guy on the team. I know Mike Evans is going to get his in the red zone and down the field and all that. Godwin's able to go to the outside. He's able to go in the slot. He got franchise tagged instead of getting the big deal. I just think all the making, you know, the makings are there. I do agree with you, though. I think Antonio Brown's numbers from last year, people don't read into it. He didn't get to play that much, and he had to learn the whole, you know, basically learn the offense. I think he's definitely going to take that next step. Like, if you told me Antonio Brown had 800 receiving yards plus, I would not be surprised. But I just think Godwin's going to take that step, and we're going to look at this receiving corpse. And I kind of think Godwin's going to be the guy that emerges as the number one when the season's all said and done. All right, let's go to the Panthers because, well, after we just gushed about the Bucks, it's more than we need to anyway because it's a Tom Brady team. We don't need to give him any more praise than it needs to be. But let's go to the Panthers, over-under 7.5. Key additions, Sam Darnold, he's going from the Jets to the Panthers. He's finally free. Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU and J.C. Horn, who they drafted with the first-round pick, who the son of Joe Horn, Saints legend Joe Horn. Look at that. I love all the legacies. We talked about Antoine Winfield Jr. And then Joe Horn's son, JC's here in uh, Carolina. Key subtractions, Curtis Samuel and Teddy Bridgewater. And I would say Matt Rule is 7 out of 10 as a coach. I think there's a lot of optimism and there is good for good reason. He That Panthers team last year basically showed up. They showed up against the Chiefs. They showed up against all the like big games that they needed to play. They showed up. And the only reason that, that they really didn't really make the playoffs was that they didn't exactly have talent on both sides and they were just not good enough. But this team can compete. And the big question I have is, how much are these skill position players that they have? How much are they really going to need to carry Sam Darnold? Because it's Christian McCaffrey, he's coming back from a banked up in injury prone season. And they also have Robbie Anderson, who already has a rapport with Sam Darnold from his, their days as in the New York Jets. And DJ Moore is also back, also around too. And as I mentioned, Terrence Marshall Jr. But how much do you think that they're going to have to carry? Or do you think Sam Darnold is going to be able to keep up and prove that it was just because he was on the Jets? I think they're going to have to carry a decent bit. I think that with Sam, it's almost like a little bit of an unknown because I don't read into the training camp interceptions that he throws because I think training camps where you should make your mistakes. You should get a little risky with the football, see what works, what doesn't work. So when people tweet, oh, Sam Darnold had another pick in training camp today, I'm not too worried. But I do think that Sam made enough mental errors with the Jets that I don't think that we can just strictly blame New York and be like, oh, this is why Sam Darnold wasn't good. I think New York deserves a good amount of the blame, but I think there's probably still a 25% piece of that pie that needs to go to Sam and just make a mistake. So luckily for them, you got your Robbie Anderson, you got your DJ Moore. I do wonder how the loss of Curtis Samuel affects them. He's a really nice gadget guy that I would love to see in that offense, but you know, they do have Terrace Marshall who's playing really well so far in the preseason. They did add Chuba, uh, Chuba Hubbard to the offense. You obviously have CMC who's amazing. So I think that this, the weapons do need to carry, but I think the weapons kind of showed last year, at least from a fantasy perspective, that they can carry because we kind of saw Teddy Bridgewater didn't play that well, yet Robbie Anderson was a good fantasy player and, and DJ Moore was an excellent fantasy player. So I think they're going to need to do a lot of the heavy lifting, especially early on. And then hopefully midseason, if you're a Panthers fan, you're saying, okay, can Sam kind of make that step from kind of having the training wheels on to taking them off and seeing if he could fly. And 
Only time will tell if that's a story. I really do like what Matt Rule's building there, though. I think the roster construction has been pretty solid so far. But when you have three really, really explosive weapons, like the ones we just mentioned with Moore, McCaffrey, and Anderson, I think it's easier to put the, you know, the responsibility on their shoulders than kind of an unproven guy entering a whole new situation with Sam Darnold. I want to go into a bold prediction right here, and we'll make this quick. I think this offense is going to be underwhelming. I think that this is you you look you mentioned all the skill position players that they have, but at, at the end of all of this, I feel like the offensive line does concern me a lot. They didn't really address it. And the only good uh, offensive lineman that they have is is Moten, a right tackle, and they haven't really solved the left tackle situation since Jordan Gross retired. So I just think if you can't protect Sam Darnold, who there's a reason why everyone keeps mentioning the ghost thing with them is that he's been plagued by horrible offensive lines. And if, if that keeps happening, if you keep creating like this environment where he can't trust his offensive line, there's no way he's going to get better. Absolutely no way. And that's why I think that this Panthers offense with all the big names that they have, they're going to let a lot of people down. And also one more thing, they haven't addressed the tight end situation since Greg Olson. So I don't know what else to say other than that. Uh, I actually like that take because uh, I tell you this, and, and obviously, you know, I hear, you know, a lot about the NFC South on Twitter all the time. And I get, you know, everyone's take here and there. And I, I do like the Panthers, what they're building defensively. Like they've used the last two drafts to really stack up on defense and their receiving corpses is, is well put. But you mentioned a really big point. Like what's the one thing that Sam Darnold's had a really big problem with? He literally took physically and mentally a beating in New York. Well, the physically part's probably still going to happen in Carolina. And everyone talks about, like, remember when Carson Wentz got traded to Indy, what was the first thing people said? It was like, oh, now he's got a good old, he's got a good old line. That, that's not the case for Carolina. So it does concern me. And I actually have told people this many times, as good of a coach as Matt Rule was at the college level, and as promising as he seems at the NFL level, until he does it, I'm going to be a little skeptical just because we don't know. So I'm still waiting a little bit to see if the Panthers have that. And also, mind you, the Panthers are playing in a division where even though the Saints don't have Drew Brees, obviously the Saints have a lot of experience. They have a lot of proven players and a lot of vets that will carry them over the hump at times. We know that the Buccaneers roster is loaded. Falcons are, don't get me wrong, a little bit of a concern there. But like at best, it kind of seems like the Panthers are playing like third fiddle in the NFC South. So I, I do agree with you. I think they're going to be underwhelming at times. Let's go to the Falcons, also having an over-under of 7.5 wins. And key additions that they've made, Kyle Pitts, the star generational tight end talent from Florida, Mike Davis from Carolina, who replacing Todd Gurley, and Dwan Harmon. They got some key defensive pieces. And also, they have a new head coach in Arthur Smith. And it's kind of like this nice energy. Ener- re-energizing of this team they do lose julio jones who they finally managed to shed his cap and he's off to tennessee i would give smith like a five out of ten i'm gonna do this with every single one of the first year coaches because i you can't judge them yet until like they actually start coaching in the regular season and we'll see if arthur smith like his genius as an offensive coordinator for tennessee if it carries over to atlanta because the transition from an offensive coordinator to a head coach is is so much different because you're not just calling. You don't have to think about the offense. Offense, you have to think about the defense too. So now let's go into the big question here. But the Falcons is: Is this team going to regret not drafting Matt Ryan's successor in this draft? Are they going to regret it because they had a shot at drafting just Justin Fields? They had a shot at drafting Mac Jones or any basically anybody else, or they could have traded up 
and drafted Trey Lance if they got lucky. And unfortunately, they just they decided to stand pat and draft Kyle Pitts, who granted is an excellent prospect and looks to be extremely promising. But are they going to regret not getting someone like Justin Fields? I think so. I, I said it when the draft happened, and I'll probably keep saying it. Kyle Pitts is an awesome prospect, and I bet Kyle Pitts is going to have a nice, long NFL career. And who knows? Maybe one day he's putting on that Hall of Fame jacket. But tight ends don't win you football games. And if we go down the pecking order of what are the most uh, important positions in football, I don't know where they'd be, but they're definitely not in my top five because obviously quarterback and pass rush and O-line and even receiver, you're ranking way above a tight end. And I'm not going to you know, read into Justin Fields as one preseason game and say, okay, Justin Fields is going to be a star. But if you're a Falcons fan, wouldn't you be feeling a lot better if he was your guy playing for you in the preseason like that? You'd feel way better about the situation. And the, the pick when they made it, it almost felt like they thought, okay, we're a tight end away from being a really great offense that can carry us into the playoffs. Well, you traded Julio about a month after that happened. So there goes your, I'm going to actually say number two receiver because I think Calvin Ridley's that damn good. So you get rid of Julio and now the pressure's on Calvin Ridley. That's fine. I think he's going to handle it. But now the chance to be this world beater offense, I think takes a huge hit because imagine if your three weapons are really Pitts, Ridley, Julio, that's big compared to now what's probably going to be Ridley, Pitts, and maybe Russell Gage or another receiver who steps up. Who knows? We'll see. I just didn't get the pick. If you're a Falcons fan, I think you would much rather have Justin Fields developing this year. And we've seen in the past, look at kind of the Alex Smith to Mahomes model. Matt Ryan to Fields probably would have worked pretty well. Now, I know they don't have Andy Reid, and he's probably the missing piece in all this to to kind of make that analogy. But I never understood the pick. And you never know when you're going to pick that high again. Like the Falcons could be decent this year, miss the playoffs, and then be picking 13 or 14th. And guess what? If you want to get a top quarterback, you're going to have to mortgage a lot of picks for a guy who – we don't even know if it's going to be as good of a prospect as Justin Fields was. I think a lot of people overthought the Justin Fields situation. And even if they didn't take Justin Fields, what if the Falcons liked a Mac Jones, a Matt Ryan, a Mac Jones transition would have been seamless in my opinion. They're basically the same player anyway. So I would have taken a quarterback. You never know where you're going to pick that high again. So I commend the teams like a 49ers when they go for it or any team we've kind of seen in the past where they kind of just move up and say, you know what, let's just take this guy. Cause that's our guy. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be very good, whether it's fantasy or reality. But, man, I think we're going to look back at this pick. If you're a Falcons fan, you're going to be like, yeah, they, they botched this one. Bold prediction for me, and I'll just quickly go over this because I want to get right to the Saints, is I think their defense is going to be decent again. I think for the last, past three seasons, they've been their defense has been so bad and so easy to take advantage of for opposing offenses, but they did get Dean Pease is going to be taking over as defensive coordinator. He's coming with Al Arthur Smith as Arthur Smith. And they get, they signed a couple of very interesting guys like Eric Harris, Dwayne Harmon, Duran Harmon, as mentioned, the only trouble spot that they have is really just their front. Their defensive line is not that good. Even if they have Grady Jarrett and their, their linebackers are actually pretty decent. And AJ Terrell, is from what I've what I've heard is like he he was pretty good last year and we'll see. I just think that this defense won't be as bad as they've been for the past three seasons. Yeah, I, well, to your point, I think that's what they're going to need if they're going to kind of get back to playing competitive football because that defense was terrible and and they do have Grady Jarrett, they do have Deion Jones. You kind of hope AJ Terrell takes that next step, and if he does, then they're kind of figure figures out your quarterback situation, uh, cornerback situation. 
I love the the Richie Grant pick from UCF. I think he's a really talented safety. I kind of compared him to a young Malcolm Jenkins coming out of college. And if that's what they end up getting, that could transform their defense. So I think as long as their defense has a couple of games where they look really solid, I think if you're a Falcons fan, maybe that's what you take in terms of being optimistic and what you could take into the following season. But yeah, I don't think they're just going to get, you know, walked on the way they have been last year. They should get better. But I do worry a little bit. Like you said, they don't really have a star pass rusher to go to. And it's kind of tough when you don't have that guy. But we'll see what happens. But I do think they have a lot of young talent on that side of the ball. All right, let's finally end it with your New Orleans Saints. Over under nine. Key additions. They didn't really make any significant key additions as far as making a splash of free agency. But they did draft Peyton Turner with their late pick. And... Key subtraction, Drew Brees retires, goes off into the sunset. Trey Hendrickson signs with the Bengals, gets the big money. Sheldon Rankins goes to the New York Jets. And Sean Payton, I would give a 9 out of 10. Um, would you say that's a reasonable ranking for Sean? Or should I bump it up to 10? Look, I, I, I would say it's tough. You know what? I think we'll find out this year because I want to say he's a 10. And at the same time, they did lose four straight years in the playoffs brutally and playoffs are all about strategical coaching and that, that hurts. Um, so let me see, maybe, maybe this year something happens and we look back, we're like, all right, maybe Drew Brees' arm was a bigger problem than Sean Payton's coaching or whatever. And we'll figure it out. But uh, I think nine's fair. Yeah. All right. Big question. How happy is Michael Thomas going to be when he comes back to be, be able to run 15 yard slant routes instead of five yard slant routes? No, wait, that's not the real question. Sorry. I'm trying to do my own thing again. And the actual question, how is Sean Payton's offense going to change with from the twilight of Drew Brees' career to who I believe will be the starting quarterback, Jameis Winston, who has, as we know, a rocket of an arm. How is it going to change? How is what adjustments will he make to accommodate James Winston? Uh, so I actually, when, you know, when we found out Drew Brees was retiring and then you see that it was Jameis and Taysom Hill as the quarterbacks who were going to compete for the job. I thought at first, I'm like, man, this offense is going to change completely. And then I start listening, I start reading all the training camp reports. And then I watched the first preseason game. And I'm like, okay, the offense actually isn't going to change that much. But the one thing that will change is when the saints decide to go for it and take that shot play the the margin for error isn't as small anymore because you have a quarterback who can stretch the field with his arm, which you really didn't have the last couple of years. Because I think for the Saints, Taysom Hill fumbles a lot. Jameis Winston throws a lot of picks. So either way, you're kind of dealing with a quarterback who's going to be turnover prone. So what do you do? I think you kind of keep that efficient offense intact where it's a lot of short passes here and screen passes there and a slant route to Michael Thomas there. And I know people you know, make fun of it, but it's an efficient move the chains offense. But then when the time comes, when it's a second and short and you can dial up a play action shot pass, which the Saints have done for so many years when Drew Brees had the arm to do it, I think that's kind of where the Saints offense is going to be different because the Saints, their definition of a shot play last year was pretty much a 15 or 20 yard pass. And truthfully speaking, a lot of that had to come come off misdirection. You know, maybe move a guy motion to the left, but then roll out right or basically do a flea flicker, which they've done the last couple of years for a 15-yard play. You know, now you don't have to worry about that. Your quarterback can get it down the field without needing any type of deception or trickery, uh, trick, uh, trickery to throw the defense off their scent. So I do think that this Saints offense is going to take a couple of more shots here and there, and they're going to be able to, ex- you know, exploit that vertical passing attack a little bit more. But I do think if they want to stay that complimentary football kind of state of that brand, they should still play a little efficient the way they did with breeze, where it is a lot of West coast offense uh, ideology, because 
I think if you kind of open it up and you go full air raid with Jameis Winston, I think that's how you fall into the trap of a lot of picks. But if you limit the amount of times he can make a risky throw, then you still get sometimes that vertical explosive play that you want, but you also minimize the amount of times he, he turns over the football. So I think that's kind of what I expect from the Saints offense. I actually think that he's going to cut down significantly cut down on the interceptions because I, if you listen, I listen to him. It's like his press conferences. I've cut tape of what he has said. And I have to tell you, I love Jameis Winston. I love the way that he's approaching this whole thing. And I really think that Sean Payne is truly getting to him. I think that he has clearly learned from his time in Tampa Bay. And now he is really taking the second chance very seriously. And when you're in going into a, into a team that has a strong infrastructure that, that is led by someone like Sean Payton, I think that the combination of his, of his physical traits and the nurturing nature of being in such an excellent environment, I think that's going to help James Winston greatly. Like I have like two bold predictions for this team. One of them is Marcus Callaway, I believe will be a breakout offensive weapon for this team, especially if James Winston's the one who's throwing in the ball. And also I actually think James Winston will have a great year. I think that like, He's, this is a great, excellent narrative of a guy who was a number one overall pick who was basically trashed and replaced by someone else. And he goes and moves on to another team to learn under Drew Brees. And then he ends up, once he finally gets a job, he basically comes back. And I really genuinely want some, and rooting for Jameis Winston to have an excellent year because it's, he's, uh, to me, like, I'm so excited. I want to see what he can do with Michael Thomas. I want to see what he can do with Alvin Kamara. I want to see what he does. Cause here's another thing that's really awesome for him is that the supporting cast is excellent for him. Aside from the, like the, the receivers offensive line, pretty good. almost great. One of the best offensive lines in the league defense, decent to, to good, right? They have still have some of the key core guys that they have and they have a support system. That's going to basically help him. So if he makes a mistake, they the better there's more likely a chance that they'll cover for him than that mistake coming back to bite them in the ass. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So your first take, I'm all aboard the Marquez Callaway thing. And actually, I think Marquez Callaway is going to have such a good year that I think regardless of who wins the quarterback competition, I'm, I'm all in on him. Because while I do think it helps if Jameis is the quarterback, because Jameis is more of a traditional quarterback than Taysom Hill, the preseason opener the first drive of the game, and, and mind you, Taysom Hill was the quarterback. Callaway had three catches for 61 yards on that first drive. So, like, either whoever's in is targeting Callaway at an efficient rate. And, and I think things will get even easier for him when Michael Thomas comes back. Because think about it. He's going to start seeing the second corner, not the first corner. And I think that's going to help him out a lot in terms of being able to get some separation on your routes. The, the Jameis Winston part, I, I don't know if Jameis is going to have a great year. I know it's a, a very bold prediction that a lot of people that a couple of people are thrown out there because he is playing with a coach who probably has more faith in him than any coach has had in his career besides Jimbo Fisher. And he is playing in a system where, like you said, the O-line is great. The, you do have a number one wide receiver when he's healthy. You have one of the best backs in football, but the, the only reason I'm going to say, I don't really know is I feel like if Jameis Winston was going to have this really, really good year, I feel like we would have heard a little bit more in training camp that he did create a lot of separation. Like if you told me to pick right now, I would tell you, I do think Jameis Winston is going to be the week one starter. I think he's created enough separation to say he deserves the crack at the job and that the first crack of the job. And if, and you know what, if, if it doesn't work out, all right, you figure it out. But 
I don't think we've heard enough in camp. We're like, okay, this was a great day. And this was another great day for James. And he's just stringing together really good days. Now that could be because they're rotating quarterbacks and it kind of gets you out of a rhythm. And that, that obviously stinks, but I do just question if Jameis is who he is. And if Sean can kind of dial it back in a sense where, Hey, instead of 33 touchdowns and 30 picks, let's get 25 touchdowns and 13 picks. Cause if, if you can do that, I think the saints actually would have a nice game manager who can occasionally take the deep shot. Now, I don't know if they could just change Jameis's DNA there, but I, I do think there's a chance they can do that. Um, I did see some nice deep strikes down the field from Jameis in the preseason opener to make me excited, but I, I do have not doubts, but I'm just very cautious before I make my predictions on Jameis, just because you never know till you know, like if, if he reverts back to old Jameis, or if this is just, remember, he's really, he's really young. He's still in his twenties. So maybe this is like you said, his chance to just right system at the right time. And it works out. Um, but I, I really love the Callaway prediction. I'm not so sure what's going to happen with Jameis. And I'll throw in one more, one more prediction for you here. If Cesar Ruiz, the Saints 2020 first round pick, if he takes that next step, and a lot of people think he is um, because he added 15 pounds of muscle, he just, he just looks better. And he has a full offseason to play a new position because he switched from center to, uh, to guard. If he takes that next step, I think the Saints will have the best offensive line in football. I, I, I truly feel that's how good that old line can be if Cesar Ruiz takes that next step. Yeah, you also look at some of the guys that are still there, Armstead, Ramchek, and McCoy, and even Pete, who, you know, frustrated. I've seen tweets of you being frustrated with him at times. Yeah. But that offensive line, like we always talk about it. If you have a top five offensive line that goes so much into being ahead of the curve of a lot of other teams, I will wrap this up by simply making my predictions. I think the Bucks will hit the over. I really do. I just think this team is way too complete to hit to win, like, less than 12 games. I think the Panthers, God, it's they're the toughest one because I can't really, I don't really know what, what to expect out of Sam Darnold, but just to be safe, I'll hit their under um, just because I just still don't think they have enough talent. Um, they need to keep building. Falcons, I would say under as well, unless Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith really is an offensive wizard. And then the Saints are going to hit the over, and I genuinely believe they'll make the playoffs again. I just, it's not, and this is basically me because I'm looking at this team. They still have the core of their team still there. And I don't understand why people are saying, oh, they're not going to wait to play us just because Drew Brees is not there. Well, maybe Drew Brees, him leaving might be what they needed because they needed someone who could throw down the field. Maybe that's exactly what they needed. Why are we like immediately discarding this team just because they lose a Hall of Fame quarterback? I get it. It's Drew Brees, but still, you have to look at what he did last year. And then, you look at who's coming in. And if I, like I said, genuinely believe that James Winston will win this job. And I believe that he will have a good, if not great season. I genuinely, I believe in this team. I leave, I believe that this, this team can make a wild card spot and could basically make a run if they wanted to. That's to me, like, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get why teams, why people are just doubting this team. I don't get it at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll I'll start with the Bucks, and I know it sounds crazy. I, I think they're gonna win. I think they're gonna end up going like thirteen and four, and I guess that would hit the over for them. Like I, I think the Bucks are that talented, and you know, people are saying Tom Brady's. You know, last year he played with a torn MCL. This year he's so healthy from his surgery that he's not even using a knee brace. And I'm like, okay, I didn't think he could get better at this age, but if anyone's gonna do it, it's him, and maybe he can. Uh, I just really like the Buccaneers' spot. I think they're gonna go over. I think that the Panthers are going to go. I'm kind of agreeing with you. I, I think they're going to go under. I, I, again, 
too much uncertainty with the quarterback position for me to just say, okay, I really like where this team's going. So I want to wait there. And also with Christian McCaffrey, he did miss basically all of last year. You know, he was injured back and forth. And have they found a way to figure out his workload and kind of using the way the Saints use Camara, which is don't just wear him out. Just instead, how about you guys just use him almost as like a a sniper per quote, like less is more with him. Use him in the right spot. So I'm going to go under until I see uh, otherwise with that team. Falcons. You know, it all kind of comes down to Arthur Smith. If Arthur Smith really is this masterful play caller, and he showed in Tennessee that he can be, then I actually think the Falcons could squeak to eight wins. But for now, I'm looking at them as a seven-win football team, and I think the, they're what are they hovering around seven and a half? I think. Yeah, seven and a half is their over under. So, so I'm going to go under for now, but it is like slight because I really think if this offense plays well, they can do enough to control games, and if that's the case, they could win over seven games. And then the Saints. It's really simple for me with the Saints. Are they hovering above water when Michael Thomas comes back? If the answer is yes, then I think the Saints are a 10 and 7 football team, which would give me the over, and, and I would feel really confident about that. If the answer is no, then I think they're going to be struggling, and I think they're going to end up being this 8 and 9 or 9 and 8 football team and kind of make you where you are. But I'm going to go over. Uh, I think the defense, believe it or not, I think this is going to be the story for the Saints. I think this defense, especially in the front seven, is going to play so well that the Saints are going to be able to control the line of scrimmage. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying before with the O-line. When you're great in the trenches, it kind of masks a lot of issues. So if the Saints have a really good O-line and their defensive line and their linebacking corps is playing well, they can mask a lot of issues that they might have early in the year without Michael Thomas and, and kind of learning how this offense will run with either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. So I'm going to go there. They're a 10 and seven football team. I know that's not what fans want after seeing 13 and three and 13 and three and 12 and four, and just seeing this long success from the saints, but that's what I'm going to go with. I, I kind of think that's their ceiling right now, a 10 and seven football team. I think they will be like hovering like the seven, six by as a wild card team. That's yeah. just, I, I'm not going to say they're going to win the division. No, because the bucks are there. Like, come on, let's be real with this. So wild card spot is very much realistic with this team. All right, Chris. Thank you so much for doing this. I know you got to run. Let the people know how they can reach out to you on social media and what you've been up to. Yeah, absolutely. So they can follow me on Twitter at Rose Vogel Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. Uh, basically just tweet everything football related now. I'm trying to branch out, start not covering other teams, but at least comment on other things going around in the league, obviously, with this upcoming season. Um, if people want to check my work in terms of writing, they can check the Spun by Sports Illustrated. I have the link to that in my bio and then my podcast for uh, Buku Media, Straight Up Saints. That's strictly if people just want to divulge in Saints news and Saints drama, I'll have it covered with occasional Office and Marvel references from time to time. Uh, but yeah, that's where people can find me, Rose Vogel Report on Twitter. And there is plenty of Saints drama going on. So based, so you're going to want to tune into his podcast. Trust me. Trust me. I, I guarantee you my, my bold prediction for the season in general is that they're, we're, you're probably going to be ranting, have the mega rants at least twice this season, probably. You had one against the Vegas Raiders. I remember that one. I, and I enjoyed that one so much. So I, I, I really do believe that this season, you're going to be really busy this season, a lot more than you were the past couple of years. And I, I hope you're, you're ready to tackle on all of it. Yeah, I, I think you uh, you underestimated the over-under for that. I think it's going to be way over, too, with the rants. But uh, we'll see what happens. Like you said, I, it's it's a new time for the Saints, and new can be frightening, but it also can be exciting. So I, I'm very intrigued to see what happens with this football team. All right, everybody. Thanks, for thanks everyone, for listening. That's going to do it. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other 
podcast platforms. Thank you everybody for listening. I'll see you guys next time.